You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Steps, he fires. It is Landon Collins for the fourth straight game. Welcome to season two of Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Hello, Grump. Time to talk about some Hog Mollies today, your favorite. Yes, this is the Hog Mollies edition of our draft and free agency schedule. Um, guards, centers, tackles, oh my. Oh my. Um, be sure to download and subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud so you can hear our draft and free agency schedule all the way through the offseason for every position and potential fixes in the draft and in the free agent market. Um and you can follow the show on Twitter, at uh, JustGiantsPod on Twitter, iTunes and SoundCloud, Just Giant. Be sure to follow us there and leave a nice five-star review. All right. So let's talk about the offensive line. It's, you know, obviously the position group for fans have been howling about for the last couple of years. And we did pretty much nothing last year other than signing DJ Fluker. So this is a a unit that's in need of almost a complete rebuild and based upon the contract situation of some guys will be a rebuild. So where do we go from here, Grump? Yeah, it's, it's really tough to tell what it, it, this thing needs to make over all over the place, but the biggest problem much as people would like to complain about Eric flowers is that right now our best offensive lineman is a free agent and that's left guard, Justin Pugh. So in the guard positions, uh, we currently have our projected starters on people under contract would be John Jerry and John Greco, which is does not a offensive line make. Um, In other news, Eli Manning just retired. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, the case. But there are some free agents on the market, including uh, Justin Pugh, right? The big one is Andrew Norwell, who's with the Panthers right as of right now, and obviously the Dave Gettleman connection is making it very hot and heavy that the Giants will make a run for him. He's the best guard out there right now, I think. Would you say, Grump? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah and, and he plays that left guard position, so I, I, it's going to probably come down to if they can't afford Andrew Norwell, they might have to re-sign Justin Pugh. It's a bit of a risk, though. I mean, you know, the guy's had injury problems, and, you know, he's in a command top dollar on the, on the free agent market. And the thing is, do you want to commit, you know, whatever guaranteed money and, and all the other money is associated with him for a guy who is no lock at all? You're going to get, you know, 14 games out of him, much less 16. Yeah. And, and, there, there's some upside with taking Justin Pugh too, right? I mean, besides continuity and the fact that he's well-liked in the locker room, that he was sort of the captain of that offensive line, he is able to play the right tackle position and even the left tackle position. We've seen him move there in a pinch and be okay. Um, yeah, but I think this is now – we need to rebuild this offensive line. I think you need to start to kind of get – if you're going to be spending big money on guys, they need to be rocks and they need to be, this is your left tackle. This is your left guard, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think having guys that just kind of jump around is necessary. I, I, we need to build the foundation first and then worry about guys like that. So interesting. Um, the only other guy I really see on the market that's worth anything. And he's a little bit old. It would be Josh sitting with the bears, but I mean, he's, he's 32, but I mean, he is, he's, Pretty good, and, and, and guards can play into their 
middle 30s, if if for some reason they just feel like they won't be able to get a long-term solution this year, he may not be a terrible addition. Um, How would you feel about them re-signing DJ Fluger? I would like, I mean, again, he's one of these guys that is like one of those fill-in-the-gap guys for me. I mean, if we re-signed DJ Fluger, is he starting? Necessarily. Well, I mean, on, on, a, on a on a rebuilt offensive line. Ideally, not. But I mean, I would take him as a backup at the right price for sure. Right, but the, but the question, I guess, is going to be, what's the price out there? What is his market value? Is is someone going to take a shot on him and pay him over and above to be a starting, you know, right guard on a shitty team or not? I have a feeling somebody will. Okay. So then, for you, it's it's just so, going to be at that right price. That's going to be the sticking at, point. Absolutely at the right. Especially as we kind of agree he wouldn't be a starter on this team. He'd be, you know, he's a depth guy. And to me, I wouldn't spend, you know, over and above a set amount for him. Well, I don't think he would be a complete detriment as a starter. I just don't think he's part of your long-term solution. I think if he's your starter because the guy you drafted to replace him is needs a year or needs not even a year, but let's say like six, seven games to get up to NFL speed, et cetera, he wouldn't right. be terrible. I think, you're, I think you have to commit more cap money to him than someone who could be a six seven game guy fill in or something gotcha or to, or to be a backup so if well this was, a non, this was a non-free agent world i'd say go resign him sure yeah yeah it'll work like that if only um well lucky for the giants there are plenty of options in the draft um there there are this might be one of the best guard classes i've seen in in some time um the the first one that comes right up, and everybody knows him, is Notre Dame left guard Quentin Nelson. Uh, it's just an absolute monster. He might be that once-in-a-generation player. Uh, he's certainly better, in my opinion, than Chris Snee, and he was the best lineman I think we had dating back to when. You know, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, going back to like guys like Jimbo Elliott or something. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call him once-in-a-generation, but certainly, you know a rock solid guy you can depend on. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think that there's any real big flaws. Well, there's definitely no real big flaws in this game, but there's not a whole lot of flaws at all in this game. I think this guy is a surefire pro bowler. If he stays healthy and he's never had any injury concerns that I know of. Um, he's great in the pass game, the run game. He's intelligent. He knows how to pick up blitzes and when to keep his eyes open, get downfield. And my favorite thing about him is he's got some nasty in him. He loves to put people into the ground. So the question is, is he a number two overall pick in the draft? Or is he someone, if we were targeting to trade down a couple of spots, would be more, still be around for that? It would be hard to see him escaping the top five. Um, But if if for some reason, I mean, it's, it's hard to, it's hard for me to justify spending a number two overall pick on a guard. Uh, regardless of how good he is. But if for some reason he's still sitting there and we've traded back to number six, run to the podium. Oh, God. I'll I'll fly over to wherever the draft is this year, and I'll do it myself. I think it's in Dallas. No, nah, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, definitely the top on the board, arguably um, in play at number two. That's definitely an argument that's being made, um, and for certain, a top five pick, especially if Brandon Sheriff went, I think, at five to the Redskins two or three years ago, right? He did. He was fifth. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, th- this is a guy that you you don't expect to see guards go this high, and he's certainly in play in the top five. So mm-hmm. that you don't see often. Uh, th- another one that's really interesting is a guy from UTEP, Texas El Paso, Will Hernandez. Um, mm. not not a not a place that comes out with a lot of NFL talent, but certainly deserves to be there. And I think I think the only reason he was there was like something like grades, probably. Usually, when you see a, an amazing talent, some nowhere hick school, usually that's the reason. Yeah, um, and he's a he's a big boy, uh, big and heavy. He's three hundred and forty pounds, but he is incredibly athletic for his size. Um, and it, I think I think a little bit is just that he he needs some pro level coaching a little bit. Uh, he improved at the Senior Bowl. He looks nasty. He's definitely nasty especially in the run game, and he just loves to drive open holes. Um, he might be gone at the end of the first round, but he could certainly be sitting there at uh, pick 34 for us in round two. This is the type of guy where, again, if we start wheeling and dealing with our draft picks, you know, he might be a target that we just kind of trade down and end up getting. So Yeah, absolutely. And um, He's definitely somebody that Giants fans will probably like. I mean, he's just going to go in there and maul the shit out of people and just <laughs> that, that the anemic, disgusting, horrible to look at run game will finally disappear. Yeah, I don't even know what Giant fans even know what that even means when you say they'd be excited to see it. It would be, you know, what is this? An offensive line that's actually dominating the line of scrimmage. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, would be nice. Um, my favorite guy on the board because he's being undervalued right now is Auburn's right guard, Braden Smith. Um, he's a little bit tall and he could stand to add some bulk to his frame because he's six six. But this guy, I, I mean, I think he does it all. I, I in a normal draft class, he might be the top guard on the mark uh, at the market in, in the in the class. Uh, and because of guys like Quentin Nelson. He's being pushed down a little bit, and I think there's a there's a very good chance that he'll be there at uh, 34. But this is a guy throwing some tape, and you'll be happy to see him he, against very good NFL competition like Georgia and Clemson. Played good games, pushing the Bama. pile, and and Bama. Yeah, I mean, he has some very good tape against very good competition. So definitely a guy that they should consider. Um, I mean, he's a little clunky with his feet, but it's actually pretty typical. Coming out of college, I mean, you see a lot of guys kind of rising and falling, quote unquote, you know, during the combine because of a, a forty speed or a shuttle run or a jump or something. I try not to take a lot of stock in the combine because it's a little bit silly. Um, it's the kind of thing where guys practice for it and then never do it again. Yeah, um, and we're not and we're not in the room for the psychological, you know, the interviews and the and the tests and everything too, yeah. which is probably more important than what you see actually on the field. Yeah, I mean, I, I I I go a lot by what I hear from people, and you know, there's there's a couple things per position group that really show you something, like you know, whatever, like the three cone drill and stuff like that. But I'm not really interested in Braden Smith's forty time or his vertical jump or anything like that. But one of the things I do take a lot of stock in is senior bowl practice reports and mm-hmm. what guys improve in that week with NFL coaches. And a guy that really stuck out was uh, Georgia's Isaiah Wynn. So this guy is super interesting because he played guard, but then they moved him over to left tackle, which is like leaps and bounds different. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, G- Georgia obviously 
has been churning out running backs and offensive linemen for the last couple of years now. And given even even given his size six two, he was still a very functional left tackle for a pro style passing attack. Um, when did that switch happen? Do you, do you remember what part of the season? Or I, I think it was just his senior year. He played left tackle. Oh, the whole year he played left tackle. I'm, I'm okay. almost positive. Um, he has such good athleticism and footwork that I, I think he's a functional tackle if needed. I mean, this is a guy like Justin Pugh, except Pugh played tackle his whole career until the NFL. Um, But what we saw at the senior bowl was how much Isaiah Wynn picked up on NFL coaching, how he improved his technique. Um, I mean, he'll still need to add a lot of strength for the power run game, but again, very typical coming out of college guys need to hit the weight room. They don't have class anymore, so they can do that. Yeah, exactly. And um, also, they don't, they're not limited to X amount of hours a week with coaches either. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, those are those are some quality, quality talent, uh, talented guys available in the draft at the guard position. There's some others that are crossovers from the center position, like Billy Price, Frank Ragno, Will Clapp, Scott Questenberry. All those guys, though, while they can play both positions, after reviewing tape, I think they'd be better off playing center, so I'll save all that shit for center. Time to talk left tackle. Not not a pretty subject. <laughs> so I, I, currently under contract, there's Eric Flowers, Chad Wheeler, Adam Biznawati, Jessamine Dunker. That's it. You're talking about a combined, what, five to six years of total experience among those three guys? Yeah, and not a whole lot so, of fans either. Not exactly. Although a lot of it might have been based on reputation as much as actual performance in 2017. I mean, to, to be fair... Eric Flowers was not atrocious as he was, you know, in his first two years or, or first year and or as much as clowns like John Gruden harped on him during, you know, national broadcasts. Do you think that his time is pretty much just over just because of the regime change? I think the, I think he's going to get one more year. I don't think I don't think his time is over just yet. I think, uh, again, he's for what he is. He's still relatively inexpensive because he's still in a rookie you know, contract. True. You know. So, you know, it's tough to jettison a guy like that. Just you know, well, he sucked, but you know, there is a cost factor to this thing, and and the cost to replace him right now would be a lot more maybe than they want to spend. So, it might be a prove it year with him. I mean, the guy's got physical attributes that makes you want to look at and say like, hmm. So maybe they want to get him under their tutelage and this coaching staff and see is this guy really just a lazy head case or is there something to work with? So, that's very true. Um, and, and as you were saying, expensive to, to replace, the only viable left tackle hitting the free agent market that I saw was Nate Solder, who's, again, this is long-on-the-tooth guy. Mm-hmm. He's 30. Yeah. I mean, for, for left tackle, that's – I don't know. Well, again, when you're 30 years old and we're kind of talking, we're debating whether this team is under rebuild or where they are, you know. You kind of want someone in the 26, 27 if you're going to invest big dollars in. Sure. Or at least have him be a surefire thing like, you know, everybody raves about Joe Thomas. You know, mm-hmm. if Joe Thomas is 32 and Cleveland is willing to let go of him, I will definitely listen to how much he wants. Right. But, so, but but Nate Solder is not that guy. He's a functional left tackle, um, does not get into a whole lot of trouble has done a decent job of protecting Tom Brady throughout the years. Um, 
I mean, it's the incremental, hard. Yeah, the incremental difference between him and Eric Flowers is not worth to me. Yeah. How much more you have to spend in guaranteed money and all the other stuff. I would agree with that. Um, however, what the hell? What what what's going on at right tackle? I mean, Chad Wheeler, Adam Biznawada, is are those the answers? Do we sign a free agent for that? I think there has to be a stopgap. They're going to get some. They're going to have to overpay to get somebody in there right now because I don't think either one of those guys is ready to be a starting right tackle in this league. Okay. Chad Wheeler. Yeah, that first game he played, he was eh, somewhat okay, but then he fell off a cliff pretty quickly. Yeah, you can tell he was he was overmatched, and I don't. When you're that completely overmatched, I can't see you know over a course of one offseason you're ready to be a competent starter at right tackle. So I especially I think, switching offensive schemes. Exactly. So to me, the starting right tackle is not on this team yet. I mean, the only guy on the free. I mean, there, there's a really good guy in the free agent market. Uh, Miami's Jawan James is hitting the free agent market. He's only 26. I believe he was maybe maybe he wasn't drafted the year Eric Flowers was, but the year before. Um, he's going to be 26 in June, so I it sounds like he's a year or two older than Flowers. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, but what's funny is that he came out of Miami also, mm-hmm. and the theme was this guy is just not going to be able to play left tackle. And I don't think Miami – the, the the Dolphins ever even bothered to try and play him at left tackle, and he's developed into one of the better right tackles in the league. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, do, can you see us paying money to get a surefire guy or, you know, 26 years old that's nice and young? That I could see. Okay. I think, again, if you're going to build, like we talked about earlier, your cornerstone guy is your offensive line. Here's a guy that's entering the prime of his career. career. He's only 26. Uh he had a uh, groin injury last year, but I think he's all fine now. I mean, this and, and you know, free agency is also about overpaying for guys a little bit also. Yeah. You know, because it, by the time, like, their contract is up or, you know, they're kind of running through it, they're going to be slightly underpaid in the market. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't freak out about that as much as, you know, some people do. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a position in a position group of heavy need. And – you're not going to get an all pro for $800,000. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to spend. So Yeah, I, I, I think I, I think they'll take a shot. Yeah, it's I wouldn't throw the idea completely in the garbage. Uh, it's it's certainly possible. And because it hasn't been mentioned at all anywhere, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. At this point, that seems to be the trend that things are going. Exactly. Um there's a lot of right tackle solutions, I would say, in the draft, and not so many left tackle ones. Uh, mm-hmm. This is not the best tackle class I've ever seen. But to me, there is a head and shoulders above the rest of the competition best tackle in here, and it's Mike McGlinchey from Notre Dame. I know a lot of people want to shit on him because he has some pretty terrible tape against Miami this year, but Notre Dame got blown out by Miami. It's not on Mike McGlinchey. He just he no. as long as well as many other people, including the terrible quarterback play, was to blame for that game. You can always add fifteen points, uh, fifteen uh, ranking spots when you're talking about Notre Dame because that team was not even, a, in my opinion, a ranked team. And you know, the same thing happens every year. They beat one scrub, and all of a sudden they get overrated into the top ten or something. So well, they never really have a truly difficult schedule. No. They it's a they kind of play like a hybrid ACC schedule now where they 
play sort of an ACC schedule, but not officially are an ACC member. So, like next year, I know they're playing Florida State and they're playing maybe Virginia Tech or something. But you're right, they do play a lot of scrubs and softies in there as well. But I, I, as far as that goes, I like Mike McGlinchey as a run blocker. He's he's very good, um, but he has great foot speed. And if he if they decide that right tackle is the best spot for him because that's where he previously had played and he looks a little bit more comfortable there, then that's fine. But he was a functional, good left tackle last year for Notre Dame. Um, I understand that he was next to Quentin Nelson, but it does not help so much when you have to kick way out to prevent against speed rushes. So um, definitely, definitely a guy to consider, not at two, but depending on how far back you trade. And if for some reason Mike McGlinchey falls all the way to 34, another one, run to the podium. Now, we've talked about now quarterback. We've now talked about the offensive line in this episode. So far, the trend has been more guys that seem intriguing in that second-round pick than actual first-round picks. There's not a lot of top-level talent in this draft, in my opinion. Like I said, there's not a whole bunch of quarterbacks that I would fall in love with. Uh, you know, The guys that are really great are at devalued positions, like guard and running back. Um, so it, it's difficult to say how the draft this draft is going to unfold. I think there will be a lot more trading than people expect. I, I think this is going to be a repeat of 2015 or 2016 where the top uh when Cleveland and Philly traded up to get quarterbacks. I think it happens every year that late run on quarterbacks and now we have five guys in that kind of top bucket. I think you're going to see some people trading and over trading and overspending to overreach for some of these quarterbacks. That's I think that's the way this year is kind of – nobody wants to be left not holding the bag with a quarterback if there's a run on quarterbacks. So I, I think that's what's going to happen. I, I completely agree with you. Uh, but that's what makes it so unpredictable. Is you, oh, sure. It, it's just they're not surefire guys, so it becomes this sort of game of like, is it worth it? Who is going to go in its place? Who would you pick instead of this guy? And then at the end of the day, a team comes from pick seven to pick two to take – a quarterback that you weren't really sure about, and then it, it screws everything up. Every mock draft in the world gets destroyed. Did anybody see Philly trading up to two in 2015? I, I that was like, oh boy, <laughs> when that happened. That was right. Out, they had already signed Sam Bradford when they did that. Exactly. Yeah. So, no. Um, but you know, whatever works. Um, the other tackles in this class. Again, not so good. Orlando Brown seems to be the one that is rising while Mike McGlinchey is falling as people continue to review tape. Uh, Orlando Brown from Oklahoma. So uh, here, here's the thing. He's going to draw a comparison that's not going to please Giants fans. He's a lot like Eric Flowers. He's 6'8 and 360 pounds and has won at the Big Ten level of competition by pure strength alone. His technique is sloppy. He stands too tall because he is too tall. And he just sort of throws guys around. It's just not going to fly in the NFL. Um, and not to mention Oklahoma's offense is just so Gimmicky. not NFL, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, if Orlando Brown is fool's gold to me, and some fool will take him. A couple other guys, Connor Williams from Texas, actually looks like he might be okay as long as he's not in a system that requires him to be incredibly athletic. Um <laughs> that's he, scary i mean you know he's not the kind of guy that you want pulling out and you know operating in space on screen passes he's a little clunky um 
and he can struggle. But he's a big, strong guy. Maybe a switch to the right side is better for him, but still something to think about. Uh, Martinez Rankin from Mississippi State is somebody that people like to talk about. He's above average um, in a lot of categories. Um, mm-hmm. He he has good footwork, and he's able to get into space and to the second level, get decent push. Uh, but he. But again, though, that's coming from an offense. It's a little bit of a quirky offense. That's not a, that's not a pro style. That's a little more. Right. Yeah. I think that the difference, though, is that if you are overpowering people with strength in a quirky offense versus being athletic, at least the athleticism translates a little bit. That's fair. You're not going to be overpowering many people in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the one guy that, that has – for some reason, not risen on boards is Jamarco Jones from Ohio State. Uh, I mean, I think he has really good feet and he has some decent strength. I think he's an all-around good tackle, and I think for some reason he's not being talked about. Uh, but the more I watch his tape, the more I think that if he's around, he's definitely worth a, a look. Um, and I just want to briefly touch on Alex Kappa from Humboldt State. Um, a guy who's gotten a lot of buzz because he's a D2 guy and um, he did a lot in the senior bowl that impressed people. This guy needs at least, at least a year to, to get his shit together. The, 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 the uh, leap he's making is beyond my vocabulary. Yeah. I would let that happen to another team. And if he's successful, it, yeah, tip, tip your, your hat, hat to him and yep. say, good job of developing good foresight. But to me, I don't think we're in the business of, being that risky or that long-term with a draft pick. I mean, yeah. we're not talking about a guy that's all of a sudden going to become a pro bowler in three years. We're talking about someone in, in three years that might be functional in the NFL. And there's a million of those guys out there. Yeah. I, I, you know, maybe, maybe if we have traded down and we have some extra picks like in the fifth round or something like that, or the sixth round, and he's still there for some reason, maybe. Um, but I think you're trying to rebuild a roster here, not, find a diamond in the rough. Right. Let me ask you something with Gettleman. Was he a wheeler and dealer in the mid to late rounds of drafts? He was a wheeler and dealer for sure. He's traded up a couple times. I mean, I don't have his stuff right in front of me, but he has was not shy in rebuilding the roster. I, I, I believe that he had – it was more in the mid rounds and had given up late round picks. Not okay. so much down, but, I mean, they also didn't have the kind of equity that we have at, you know, pick two. Right, gotcha. Well, I was I was thinking more of like those middle rounds. Is he someone that's a wheeler and dealer to kind of, you know, I'm going to flip a, a four for two fives or I'm going to, you know, just to get more and more picks or is he guys pretty straight laced? No, he, he actually moved up to get guys he liked. Okay. And lost picks in the process. But Okay. Um, And then center. What, what's, what do we have at center? The answer is officially <laughs> nobody. There you go. <laughs> Brett Jones is a restricted free agent, not under contract, and Weston Richburg is an unrestricted free agent, not under contract, and there are no backups on the roster. Let's talk about those two really fast. So, Weston Richburg is a guy we liked, and we talked about, you know, this time last year, you know, do we lock this guy up early before he hits the market? We were both very high on him. Injuries took its toll, and I think we we're kind of singing a different tune about him right now. Yeah, I, it's it's really difficult to invest money in a deal for a guy who has missed so much time, and especially with something like concussions. Uh, yeah, that is a real red flag for me, the, the multiple concussion guy. So, and then and Brett Jones then is another guy that you know 
less coaching staff liked? Does this coaching staff like him? Is he a starter in this league? I mean, this coaching staff has to at least be impressed with the fact that he held his own pretty well when he asked to come in. He was not a liability. Um, I know that saying that he wasn't the worst on the offensive line is not really saying anything, but <laughs> it's he, quite a low bar. There wasn't really a huge drop off. There wasn't really any drop off between Richburg and Jones, and that's whether this coaching staff thinks that he's the solution. I doubt it. Um, and don't forget, you know, giant fans that. We don't have to worry about just five starters. You need to have a capable, you know, rotation also. And he might be a guy that just fits that rotation. Yeah. He doesn't have to necessarily be the starting center on, on that, you know, opening day. Um, I think, like I said before, with right tackle, I don't think the starting center on this team is on the roster right now. So, yeah, it's, it's not a good market for, for centers. Uh, there's just not a lot out there, and and I would say that on most lists you might see Weston Richburg up there as one of the best centers on the market. So, uh, I mean, again, are we going to get a stopgap guy like John Sullivan who's 33 years old, or do we want a Jawan James who's 26 and doing yeah. stuff? And also, Rome wasn't built in a day. We don't have mm-hmm. to completely rebuild this offensive line this year with this crop of free agents and this crop of draft picks. I mean, this, I think, you know, this might be a two year project where, you know, we might be focusing 65% of our efforts on the offensive line this year, but we can still build, you know, next year going forward too. So that's something, you know, that long-term holistic view is something that Gettleman is going to be, you know, concentrating on as much as anything. It doesn't have to make an immediate back page splash by, completely building offensive line like we did the defense last year, you know, in 2016. Yeah, I would agree. I, I mean, Travis Watson is, is a 27 year old from Detroit. Uh, I believe formerly in Arkansas Razorback. Um, but I mean, he's had health issues. So it, it, when you say Rome wasn't built in a day, this is the position to me that you just, you signed Brett Jones for two years, right? If your draft pick that you take this year is not ready, it's okay. He can be ready next year, um, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's that's my solution here. There's no big free agent splash name, so then there's no reason to spend any more money than your restricted free agent. And then why go with age and why go with health issues too? I think yeah. you just kind of you know try to be as young and agile as you can and see if any of these guys have the potential to develop into at least ro- solid rotational guys, if not potential starters, because it's a lot cheaper to go that way. And importing guys you know, who are older and who have been banged up a bit too. And it's an interesting thing here because – so I'm not in love with the center class at all. And I'll go from the bottom up at the top guys, Scott Questenberry from UCLA. I'll put it very simply. When I was trying to watch Josh Rosen tape, it was difficult because he was just running for his life the whole time. Scott, Quest, Scott Questenberry may have been the best of the linemen on the team, but nevertheless, there was leaks left, right, center. So I'm not – you know overly enthused with Scott Quessenberry's tape, you know, Will Clapp from LSU. He's, he's just really so big. He's six, five, which is just massive for the center position. And yeah, he's, he's just stands up tall a lot. And I think that in a couple of years, yeah, I think he might be a functioning center, but it's one of those things where it's like, is he a guard? Is he a center? I'm not really sure. And that might leave him in that, like, the dreaded tweener position where you just don't you don't fit in enough in a spot and therefore you lose a spot in the NFL. 
No, I was going to say this isn't like baseball where you know utility guys play over as an asset. I think you need to have – on the offensive line, you have to have a position. I think that was kind of what we were talking about Justin Pugh before also where I think if you're going to be shelling out – because we're talking about free agents. We're talking about money, mm. and you're not going to want to shell out big money for guys that haven't mastered one position. Yeah. And whether it's due to talent or size – you need to be something. Yeah, and it, it's a plus if you can play a second position in a pinch, but to be a guy who flip-flop between guard and center a lot in college and you, you're too tall for one position and too weak for the other, it just it that to me is I don't like it and it makes me nervous and I don't I just don't like it. Um I thought I would be really really impressed with Frank Ragno from Arkansas, but I I just he just looks too stiff to me. He's pretty good in the ground game. He's okay in the pass game. He just looks very stiff. Um, I think that he could be a solution, but I think he'll end up being in the mold of Travis Swanson at 27 years old, um, a guy that we're arguing over if he's worth money at all. <laughs> That's not a good argument you want to be in. Yeah, but the two the two guys that are the most interesting are the best two in this class for me. Billy Price from Ohio State is by, by far and away the best center in this class, and uh, I mean, he can do it all. He, he's tough. He's mean. He's very good in, in the run game. He he has functional strength. He can get to the second level. His big problem is his combine workout. He tore his pec doing the bench press. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's a... And what's the recovery time for that? I, you know, he should probably... It's Remember, this is March, so... Mm-hmm. He should probably be okay to start his rookie year in 2019, but when I see that, what I what I see, I, I don't really know what the recovery at all is for torn pec. Like, is that something that is debilitating going forward, or you know, I don't really don't know. Yeah, it's not a common injury. No, no, no. That's when I heard it. It was just like, oh my god. Yeah. Um, but this is potential value here. Uh, he might tumble through the draft. And again, this is one of those things where if you've collected picks and he's sitting there with your second second round pick, his second third round pick or something, why not? I mean, he's take a take a flyer on him, yeah. sure. Um, but to me, the surefire thing now becomes James Daniels from Iowa. Um, there's a lot to like about him, and there wasn't a lot that I didn't like. Uh, he keeps his feet underneath him. He's great in the pass game he moves defenders really well in the run game he doesn't blow people away but you can see him anchor and then start to push and you know it's something that's sorely been lacking in the giants line is push yeah (laughs) so i mean again this is one of those things at 34 if he's there consider him Mm -hmm. i'll tell you something i am really excited to watch the friday night portion of the draft because again, we're highlighting guys. We 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 see more circled for that thirty fourth pick than we do for the second. So it's going to be really interesting to watch on Friday. Yeah, and I think there might be some wheeling and dealing on Friday also. There's a lot of those things where it's like, you know, after Thursday night, it's the uh, I can't believe that guy's not in there. Do we need to move up and grab him right now? You know, you have that full night to sleep on it and really look at the draft board, and you see some crazy it's- stuff happen. Especially in Gettleman's first year, too, he feels he has to, you know, move in a lot of as many of his guys as he possibly can and move out a lot of the old regime's guys, too. So you might see a little, you know, over wheeling and dealing you might see in other years. Interesting thought. Yeah, I don't know. It's possible. But uh, 
so this is one of the most stacked guard classes I've ever seen. One of the weakest tackle classes, and there are two really good centers in this class. So th- this is an interesting hog mollies collection that's sitting here for this year. And there's not a whole lot of free agents anywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's again, it's a it's got a lot of attention on it because of just the lack of production from the last couple of years and the lack of seemingly attention to rebuild it. And now, you know, we're at a crisis point because arguably the two best linemen we have are probably not going to be with the team next year. And, you know, there's complete question marks at right tackle. There's complete question mark at center. Mm -hmm. There's a complete question mark with our quote-unquote franchise left tackle. Where will he be playing the start of next year if he's even playing? So a lot to be continued for this uh, position group. To be continued is a really good way to end this one because uh, we might have some updates on this as free agency starts to play out in about a week, right? Absolutely. Before, you know, it's where I think we're doing a good job here discussing free agents and draft because you know they are complementary and one will dictate the other. So as these things unfold, be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump. And um, any sort of emergency broadcast and any of our other episodes are on Twitter at, at JustGiantsPod. So give that a follow and you can see whenever an episode comes out. You can find me as always at The Cranky Fan. We're discussing all things Giants. We're discussing all things Gators on my companion podcast, Mark and The Cranky Fan. Um, all right, guys. Let's go Giants. Let's go Giants. Uh,